to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. Lord, we declare today, this morning, that everything is your grace, your grace, the unending grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it is not by our merits, but it is always before the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it is by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and is the faith that comes in the life and the relationship of Jesus Christ that we are saved. So God, we declare our praises to you with everything that we have. And we lay down all of our worries, all of our plans, all of our distractions, God, we lay them at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. I ask, God, that you take, that you take our mourning, that you take our hurts, that, God, that you turn it into a joy, into the joy of the Lord this very morning. And, God, as you transition now this morning, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all the hearts for those who will be here listening to this message. Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O God. For Lord, you alone are our rock and our redeemer. We give you all the glory, all the honor, pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And God's people pray. Amen. 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 Today's message is called I urge you today to, I urge you today to, I urge you today to. Let's begin with our main scripture here this morning. It's found in Romans chapter 12, very short verse, verse 1 through 2. Romans 12, verse 1 through 2. The title of the scripture says, A Living Sacrifice. It begins with this in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to, to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. And amen. Again, the title, I urge you today to. What do I mean by that? Let's begin with this. My dear brothers and sisters, I urge you today to, starting with point number one, live a life that is worthy of the gospel. I'll say it again. Live a life that is worthy of the gospel. Keep in mind, I'm not saying live a life that is worthy of your parents' approval. I did not say live a life that is worthy of the worldly standards of education, of having 4.0 perfect GPA, or having the perfect dream job. But live a life that is worthy of the gospel. That is our first thing, our middle, our journey, and it is our everything. It is the end. For when we take our final breath here on this earth, 
We cannot take anything else with us. We cannot take any of our accomplishments with us except for the relationship and the grace that we have received to our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is it. Nothing more and nothing less. Philippians 1.27, the title says, Life Worthy of the Gospel. It says, whatever happens, whatever, anything, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The root word here, worthy, it comes from the word worth. The word worth is to understand and to know the value of something. It has worth. It has weight. It is worth something. And the truth and the reality is a lot of Christians, we do not know our worth. We live our lives thinking that we are orphans out on the street. You do not realize who you are and whose you are, that you are a child of God, that you're created in the image of God. You've heard it when you're young, but along the way, as you get older, we become jaded, and as life gets more difficult, we tend to forget, and we forget who we are and whose we are. Therefore, just like the point, number one, the question that I want to ask you is, do you live a life in a worthy manner to your worth? What is your worth? You are a child of God. And the truth and the reality is you are worthy. You are worthy and you were worthy to receive Christ's love. But at the same time, another flip side of that, the truth is, and on the other side of that, yes, we are not worthy also at the same time you are worthy but you are not worthy but it is Christ that makes us worthy the Bible makes it very clear that you are saved by grace and by grace alone and that is it it is not by your own merits it is not by your own accomplishments or how pretty or how good you are the truth and the reality is it is because of Christ because of his death and his resurrection we are worthy. We are saved by grace alone. Let us not forget that it is Christ that loves us, that died for us, and it is Christ that intercedes for us. Therefore, just like point number one, live a life that is worthy of the gospel. Live in a manner worthy of the gospel. So the focus here is not about my worth, really, per se, but about the priceless worth of the gospel in our lives. It is because of the priceless worth of the gospel is what makes us worthy before the Father. It is because of the love of Jesus Christ that saves us, the one who died for us, the one who gave his life for us. Meaning, if the gospel is priceless, if the gospel is costly, there's nothing that can compare to that priceless truth of the gospel. Meaning, despite how you may feel about yourself today, you may feel like you are not worthy to receive the gospel. Remember this, 
The, the gospel is priceless. The gospel is free. The gospel is the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And because it is costly, you must live a life that is worthy of the gospel that has been sacrificed, that has been given to us freely. Therefore, out of obedience, we live our lives for him. So today I challenge you. I challenge us. Let us live our lives worthy of the gospel. Live your lives today in a manner worthy of the gospel. Three quick sub-points here. Letter A, to live a gospel-worthy life, there is no greater honor. B, to live a Christ-centered life, there is no greater calling. C, to live a citizen heaven life, there is no greater joy. Say it again, to live a gospel-worthy life, there is no greater honor. To live a Christ-centered life, there is no greater calling. To live a citizen heaven life, there is no greater joy. Philippians 3.20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.19 says, You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly so go back to our sub-points. To live a gospel-worthy life, there is no greater honor. To live a Christ-centered life, there is no greater calling. To live a citizen-heaven life, there is no greater joy. There is no greater joy. There is no greater calling. There is no greater honor. All I once held dear, build my life upon you don't know it? World with years and wars to all I once thought, all I once thought gain, I have counted loss. Spent and worthless now compared to this. Ready the chorus? Knowing you, Jesus. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness. And I love you, Lord. Where it says, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness. And I love you, Lord. It's a reminder here today to live a gospel-worthy life. There is no greater honor. To live a Christ in our life, there is no greater calling. To live a citizen heaven life, there is no greater joy. To be known by Christ, there is no greater calling. There is no greater joy. There is no greater honor. Live a life worthy of the gospel. 
Philippians 1.27, once again, it says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Amen. And amen. Point number two, pursue a life of obedience that leads to a life of sacrifice. Pursue a life of obedience that leads to a life of sacrifice. What do I mean by this? It means obedience first, then sacrifice comes afterwards. What I mean by this is pursue a life that leads you to obey God, and then, therefore, you are able to be a true sacrifice, a living sacrifice before the Lord. It is not I sacrifice, and then I start to become obedient. It begins with obedience first, for obedience is greater than sacrifice. Meaning, may your obedience be a life of living sacrifice. Pursue a life of living obedience that will lead you to live a life, to be a life of a living sacrifice before the Lord. Let's go to verse 1 of Romans 12. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The context of this is going back to the Old Testament, where the people would sacrifice animals in accordance to God's law for their sins to be forgiven. Many animals would be killed and sacrificed. They would be cut into pieces, and they would be placed at the altar. It is saying that it is my sin this animal is taking on my behalf, and just like this animal was slaughtered, just as I should be slaughtered for my sin, it is the animal that takes my sin. It is my scapegoat. It is the one that takes my sin, and therefore I am forgiven. That was the law, the custom of the Old Testament. And it echoes on to the New Testament. So when Christ came, he was once and for all the ultimate sacrifice. After his sacrifice, there was no need for any more sacrifices. And because he sacrificed his life for us, we in turn, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. But it must begin with obedience. It must begin with faith. It must begin in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The focus is not the sacrifice. The focus here is the obedience. Many people will read this verse, verse 1, and say, okay, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Okay, so I need to do more. I need to go to church more. I need to do more things for God. A checklist. But the focus here is the obedience that leads to a life. To be a life of a living sacrifice. Sacrifice is important, but obedience in the heart is greater, is always greater. 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, Samuel replied, he says this to King Saul. He says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey God is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. What King Saul 
What he had it twisted in his mind was that he thought that God was just a checklist. All he cares about a checklist. If I do this, then he'll love me. If I do this, then he'll honor me. But the reality is, it's the obedience that counts. Obedience is the main thing. To obey the Lord, to obey is better than sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of rams. And in that context, King Saul is rejected. It says God rejects Saul as his king. Isaiah 1.11, it says the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Says the Lord. I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. We have so many churches that are so good at offering sacrifices. We are so good at action. We are so good at events. We are so good at providing people what they want. But ultimately, though, where is the heart? The heart of the matter. Are you obedient to God in your own personal life? Are you obedient to the Lord 24-7 in your life every single day? It doesn't mean you'll be perfect. You will sin and you will fall short. But do you turn back to the Lord with repentance and with humility? God makes it very clear that he hates the multitudes of our sacrifices, especially when the foundation, there is no obedience before God. Amos chapter 5, verse 21 to 27 says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. This is in the place of God speaking to his people. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, and, but let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. Did you bring me sacrifices and offerings? Forty years in the wilderness, people of Israel. You have lifted up the shrine of your king, the pedestal of your idols, the star of your God, which you made for yourselves. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is God Almighty. And lastly, Psalm 40, verse 6 to 8. Can we read it all together? Ready? One, two, three. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come, it is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God, your law is within my heart. This is what David says here in Psalm 40. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. What God desires is you saying today, here I am, me, living sacrifice, obedience. Here I am. Verse 7, I have come. Verse 8, I desire. Do you have the desire to do the will of God, to do the work of God? I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is not by my actions. Your law is where? It's written, is within my heart. It's the law of God written in your heart. Is it within, in your heart? Obedience is better and triumphs. And trumps over sacrifice. God is saying here, all your acts of sacrifices are meaningless. Unless it's from the heart of devotion and obedience and love to me. Rituals, 
coming to church, partaking communion, tithes, the way that we sing songs, the way we sacrifice our times to do the work of God. The question is, what is the true motive of the heart, of your heart? In your sacrifice, if there is no true devotion to God in your heart, if there is no true obedience to God in your heart, if there is no true worship to God in your heart, if there is no true love of Jesus Christ in your heart, it is all meaningless. As God says, I hate, I hate, I cannot stand, I despise your religious festivals. It is a stench. It is a stench to my nose. It is a stench to me. All your acts of sacrifices are meaningless. So the question I want to leave you with in this point is, what is the true motive of your heart? What is the true motive? Do you have true obedience to God in your heart? Obedience is a lifelong service. I'll say it again. Obedience is a lifelong service service. It is your whole life until you take your final breath. It is not, okay, I did it in fifth grade, and then that will fill my obedience to God now in my 20s and in my 30s. The question is, are you obedient today, right now? It is a lifelong service. And it begins in the foundation of, I have six sub-points here, but I'm going to divide into two parts. First part, A, B, C, ready? It begins in the foundation of letter A, his costly love. B, his costly grace. C, his costly mercy. That is the foundation. And then the second part of the soap point, now, in true devotion, I, as a Christian, I, as a man of God, I, as a woman of God, I now respond with, ready, D-E-N-F, D, my growing obedience to him. E, my living sacrifice to him. And F, my true worship to him. If your worship, if your sacrifice, if your obedience is not growing, it is not alive, but it is a dead sacrifice, if it is not true and genuine, it all goes down the trash, meaningless. You're just wasting time here at church. Therefore, as David declared, we must inquire and ask of the Lord, as David asked and inquired of the Lord. Where he says here, not only did David wrote half of the Psalms, but there are some key ones that really sticks out to me, that really helps me in my time of need. Some of the ones that I just went over were Psalm 40. But let me just go over these three more songs with you. Psalm 25, 
where David says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Does that sound like someone who is just doing a checklist? Or does that sound like someone who is genuine in his worship before the Father? Show me. Teach me. Guide me. You are my God, my Savior. My hope is in you all day long. Psalm 86, teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I'll praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Amen and amen. The Lord desires your obedience, a lifelong obedience, a lifelong service from us to him. Psalm 51, verse 16 to 17, this is a prayer repentance of David. One of the famous passages, he says, You do not delight in sacrifice or I will bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, what is the sacrifice? Is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. It's a heart of obedience, of repentance, a repentant heart, a broken heart, a contrite heart, a humble heart. When we come to him with our brokenness, God will not despise that offering, that sacrifice. For it is a sacrifice and offering of brokenness, of humility. Therefore, when we give to God our brokenness, he in turn gives life, and life to the full. We in turn receive beauty, joy, praise, trees that are planted in righteousness, just like the prayer that I said in the beginning, Isaiah 61, in full display of his splendor. It says, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Amen and amen. Pursue a life of obedience that leads to a life of sacrifice to be a living sacrifice before the Lord. And lastly, point number three. I've almost finished here. Pace a life that will not conform to the way of this world. Pace a life that will not conform to the way of this world. At one point, we are all the same because we're all human beings, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. We are born and we will return. But at the same time, we are all individuals going through different stages and seasons before God in our own personal individual lives. Therefore, it is your duty, it is your utmost duty to pace a life in your own context of the family that you're born in or the workplace that you're in, the friendships that you have, the family that you come from. It is your duty to pace a life that will not conform to the way of this world. The way that we will not conform to the way of this world on the surface, yes, it will look different from someone who is here in the U.S., 
versus someone who is out in a different country, in a different region, in a different area, in a different continent. We may speak a different language, come from a different culture, but the core of it all is a spiritual fight. It is the same with everyone. For every believer, there are persecutions, there's hardships, there's difficulties. There's going to be oppositions because the devil is going to attack you in different ways. Some places there's more apparent spiritual things that you'll see with your eyes. Where here in the U.S., everything is kind of masked. But it's more with distractions, with the desires and the passion of this world. And the pride of this life that blinds us. But verse 2, here Paul, he reminds us in Romans 12. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do we not conform to the pattern of this world? How do we be transformed by the renewing of our minds? Well, here's the key. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget where you belong. Don't forget whose you are. Don't forget who you are, where you belong, and where you come from, and whose you are. Here it is. You are a man and woman of God. You are a citizen of heaven. You are part of the citizenship that comes from heaven of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You are no longer foreigners, it says Ephesians 2.19, and strangers, but fellow citizens. Colossians 3.2, Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. First and foremost, whether you're an American citizen, whether you have a green card, whether you are a Korean citizen, or Chinese citizen, or any other citizen, it doesn't matter. Our first and foremost, our foundation is that you are a citizen of heaven. And if you are a citizen of heaven, and as citizens of heaven, may we reflect on these sub-point questions. Letter A, is my mind renewed? every single day. Life is progressive. There is no repeated day. There's no such thing as a Groundhog's Day. Today will never be repeated again. Time will always move forward. But the question is, is your mind renewed today? Is your mind being renewed every single day? Let it be. Is my attitude, position, and gratitude every single day? Are you filled with bitterness, resentment, hatred, confusion? Or is your attitude filled in position, in gratitude every single day? Let us see. Is my vision distracted by the cunningness of this world? Are you seeing with the right lens 
that you are a citizen of heaven? Are you? That you are a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or are you watching and distracted by your sight, comparing yourself to others, distracted by the cunningness of this world? And D, is my heart hungry for the things of God or callous for the things of God? It's one or the other. Are you hungry for the things of God or are you callous for the things of God, just like the Laodicean church? What are you? Are you hot? Are you cold? Which one are you? Are you lukewarm? Is my heart hungry for the things of God or callous for the things of God? Letter E, is my behavior demonstrating selfishness or selflessness? Take a look at your actions this week. Was it demonstrating, was it showing selfishness or selflessness? F. Is my soul filled with bitterness or with joyfulness? Do you have the joy of the Lord in your heart? Or do you call yourself Naomi, bitter? For the Lord has taken everything away from her. But rest assured, Naomi doesn't remain bitter through Ruth. Her daughter-in-law the joy of the Lord is there the joy the hope of the Lord is there there's a kinsman redeemer Boaz and Boaz in a spiritual sense spiritual language Jesus Christ is our Boaz when we were hopeless and lost in our sins he is our kinsman redeemer he redeems us so there's no need for bitterness but may your heart and your soul be filled with joyfulness today. Amen. And lastly, is my life conducted by pride or by the gospel? Is my life conducted by pride or by the gospel? I pray that you would remain in the gospel. The only thing that you should compare your life to, stand before to, there's only one thing. And what is that one thing? It is the gospel. It is the gospel that gives you worth. It is the gospel that gives you purpose. It is the gospel that gives you meaning to your life, to the reason to why you live. It is the gospel. That's why it's important for us to spread the gospel, to live in the gospel. And the gospel brings us and allows us to know our worth, to live a life that is worthy in a manner of the gospel, to be obedient to him, to follow him, to be a living sacrifice for him. So again, the title, I urge you today to... My dear brothers and sisters, I urge you today to, number one, live a life that is worthy of the gospel. 
To live a gospel-worthy life, there is no greater honor. To live a Christ-centered life, there is no greater calling. To live a citizen-heaven life, there is no greater joy. Pursue a life of obedience that leads to a life of sacrifice. Meaning, understanding, standing on the foundation of, letter A, His costly love, His costly grace, His costly mercy. Now, in true devotion, I respond with my growing obedience to Him, my living sacrifice to Him, my true worship to Him. It is not my obedience to Him, my sacrifice to Him, my worship to Him only, but it is my growing obedience. It is active. It is maturing. It is not the same as it was when I was in middle school or when I was in high school, when I was in my 20s, early 20s. Am I maturing? Am I growing in obedience in Him? It's about the growth. It has to grow. Your obedience to God must be greater than it was when you're younger. Because life is progressive. It moves forward. You will never get to stay back today. The fight is this, that you need to have that same passion, same zeal as you had when you were young. You need to keep that innocence of a childlike faith, a childlike heart. As you become jaded in this life, as life gets harder, as there's distractions, things that come along the way that will take you away from the purpose. You're walking on this narrow path, the narrow gate. Devil will come. The world will come. Friends will come. Relationship will come. People will come and distract you. Are you obedient to him? If your sacrifice isn't alive, it is dead. Is it a true worship? Because anyone can worship. You could come here and sound good. But is it a true worship? Are you a true worshiper? Anyone can claim themselves to be a worshiper. But the question is, are you a true worshiper? Number three, pace a life that will not conform to the way of this world. Is my mind renewed every single day? Is my attitude positioned in gratitude every single day? Is my vision distracted by the cunningness of this world? Is my heart hungry for the things of God or callous for the things of God? Is my behavior demonstrating selfishness or selflessness? Is my soul filled with bitterness or with joyfulness? Is my life conducted by pride or by the gospel? Pace it well. Pace the race well in your life. Only you know what you must do. In a marathon, closing with this, you'll be running, and we will all start in the first in fairness, and we will each have different conditions to our body, different articles of clothing, shoes and socks, and some people, they may be off that day or they may feel great that day or they feel like they prepare well months in advance the marathon running the race well I knew one guy he trained for a marathon on a treadmill and that's not really smart because the mileage you do on the treadmill is different from the mileage you do on the actual gravel the road out on the street because there are bumps and puddles and who knows what the weather will be that day. 
he couldn't finish yet to get an IV and the hospital, the ambulance had to come and he couldn't finish it. Young guy, strong guy. But anyone can start off well in the beginning. We all start off even in the beginning in a sense where we start together in life. When we're born, the moment we take our breath, the moment we are formed in our mother's womb, God had a plan for us and we start our life in that manner. But along the way, during the race, it is your responsibility to pace that race well. For we all go through different things, for we all have different burdens, different weight, different hardships, different conditions. But with the grace that has been given to us through our Lord Jesus Christ, are you pacing this life well? Are you conforming to the ways of this world? Are you living a life that is worthy, a life worthy in a manner of the gospel? How are you living your life here today with everything that has been given to you? You need to look to God right now and ask the Lord as David asked. Search me, God, and know my heart. You need to ask him as David asked in prayer and with humility. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me. Guide me to know the truth of the gospel. For you are my God and my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. The psalm is here for us to allow the prayer of these godly men to allow their prayers to become our prayer, to use the Psalms in a manner to cry out to the Lord, teach me your way, Lord. It's, yes, these are the words of David, but these are also my words too. Lord, may I rely on your faithfulness. Teach me how to rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart as David had an undivided heart for you. I will praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart so that I may fear your name and I desire to glorify your name forever. Where it says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Do you have a broken and a contrite heart today that you are a perfect candidate to come to the Lord here today? Pace a life. Pace it. That will not conform to the way of this world. May you run this race well. And I urge you today. The title is not I urge you to. I urge you today, right now, on the 10th of July. I urge you today, right now. Not what you did months ago or years ago, but now. Not tomorrow, not next year, now. For today is a day of salvation. Pursue a life of obedience. To live a life of a living sacrifice to God. Turn to the Lord with thanksgiving. Turn to Him with gratitude here today. I love you, and I wish the best for you. And I wish that you will finish this race well. Because at the end of the day, we're all individuals. My faith will not rescue you. 
it is your own faith that will rescue. When we stand before God, we cannot say to him, God, well, my mom, she prayed for me. She was there for me. My parents went to church. That's not how it works. You stand alone in the judgment seat or you stand with someone else. And who is that someone else? It's Jesus Christ. I pray that you will stand with Jesus Christ on that final judgment day. You stand alone, you try to defend for yourself. 100% guaranteed you will lose. For we are all sinners. But when we say you are sinners saved by grace, that's what it means to have our advocate, our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that will stand on our defense to allow us to be with the Father. He is our Lord. He is our King. So I urge you today, I urge you today, today is the day of salvation. May you not lose hope in this race, in this marathon. Pace well. Pace well and do well and turn to the Lord with humility. And with that, I want to invite the praise team to come up. This is a powerful, powerful and a beautiful song. And this is not just a song that we are singing, but may this song be our guide to the prayer that is in our heart. At times when you feel like you have no words to say, may the scripture, may the worship that we give to God aid us in our worship to Him. May we understand that everything is your grace, your grace, and it is all due to His unending grace that we are here today. We do not claim to deserve, but because of the cross, because of His death and His resurrection, He has allowed us to deserve to be worthy to receive the gospel, to receive the hope and the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Let's all sing together. Every blessing I have taken pleasure in.
Father, just like the song that we just sang here this morning, my appointed time and place in history for such a time as this, from the moment you created me in my mother's room, from my childhood all up until this point where I am now, our very breath, our every breath, our hopes and our dreams, all none of them we earn was not by our own strength, by our undoing, but it was all because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we live our lives as precious child of God, as children of God, that offering our lives, not just as a living sacrifice, but through the obedience, which in turn comes with the life of living a living sacrifice to be the witness to the gospel, to the good news. Oh Lord, none of that we have earned, that we have done and accomplished was by our own merits. It was all by the grace, the unending grace of our Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for calling us and giving us a purpose and a life to live this one life, one chance well for the kingdom of God. Lord, we pace well today to live a life that is worthy the manner of the gospel, to live a life not distracted by the distractions of this world, by the cunningness of this world, but to live a life that is worthy to the call in our lives. Lord, may we run to you and walk to you and crawl to you with gratitude. Strengthen us today. Strengthen your church. Lead us and guide us. We give you all the glory and all the honor for all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. God's people pray. Amen. And amen. sing together.
pray together. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you to give you peace. And now may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good in doing his will. And now may he work within us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And as God's people we pray, amen. Amen. And amen.